Hi, I'm Joel Garcia. Welcome to the Pop Culture Shuffle. On today's show, I have a few things to talk about. First up, the opening ceremony recently happened for the 2022 Winter Games, and I have a few things to say about it. Then, I briefly talk about Studio Ghibli. And finally, my thoughts on the Super Bowl and the upcoming Pro Bowl as well. But first, let's talk about the games in Beijing. Now I have to admit, I wasn't expecting to talk about the games so soon. I was thinking in fact of saying something like a week into them, but I wound up seeing the opening ceremony and I have a lot to say about it. Now I will say this. Prior to watching the opening ceremony, which I did watch live at 4 in the morning, I was expecting something similar to 2008. And unfortunately, it wasn't. Now of course, there's a lot of things to consider about the production of this ceremony. For starters, the COVID-19 pandemic drastically cut back any potential plan it could have had for Beijing. So of course, considering they might have had two years in advance to prepare for this, the ceremony was honestly bad. The opening was pretty fine, but everything else about it just felt rushed and incomplete. Almost like they just wanted to get this over with and just move on. There were a few things I did like about the opening, such as the video montage to start, as well as the Parade of Nations. Most of it. I like the visual on the ground where you can see video move around while the Atlas walked around, but then we hear the music choices. It just seemed really bizarre. Now, oftentimes you're in the Parade of Nations, you have some nice music to have the at least walk around to, and for some reason, China decided to just present a bunch of Western classical music instead of, say, something more local. Tokyo's Parade of Nations, for example, featured a nice amount of remixes of songs that were local to the region. But then when it came to China, they for some reason chose to put the William Tell Overture, also known to many, including me, as the Lone Ranger theme song, and Pomp and Circumstance, which, again for me and a lot of other people, is that song you walk down to graduation with. And it just felt really bizarre hearing those songs alongside others that really don't work for a parade in this ceremony. And then for some reason, they had to loop it, like several times, almost like they ran out of the songs. Honestly, the only reason they can come up with is maybe say they couldn't afford the rights to some songs, but even then it just felt like... bizarre. Because later on, they have a really bizarre cover of Imagine by John Lennon. Which, I'm just gonna say this, I like John Lennon, I like the song, but I think we've all had enough about Imagine. I know that the lyrics still hold up to this day, and people might like it how neutral it tries to sound, but honestly, I think I've heard it so many times, the message has worn itself out. Again, I like John Lennon, I like the song, but I would like to stop hearing the song for a little bit. And there were other things I hated about the opening, mainly when it came to the torch itself. Now in the past, there have been a variety of interesting cauldrons, some of which have stood out, some of which have been interesting in their own form, but then the one they had for Beijing just was awful. Like, I get the idea that having all of these snowflakes from each nation assembled together into a bigger snowflake, 
But then your cauldron is just the last torch with a tiny little flame and the snowflakes surrounding it. And that frankly sucked. Like, you can barely see the flame in this giant snowflake. And I was expecting something to happen, like say, have the snowflake on fire, or maybe use one of the towers they had outside the bird's nest, but no, it's just a snowflake. Now there may be other factors of why I'm complaining so much about this ceremony. Maybe because it was too short, maybe because of all the boycotts, or maybe it's the fact that I was expecting way too much out of Beijing, especially considering that 2008 and how amazing that was. But this, this was just disappointing. Now some might say, oh, but what about Tokyo's opening ceremony? Now sure, Tokyo may have had a similar situation in which there was no crowd, they could be very limited to what they could do, but the thing is that at least Tokyo, they knew what they could do, and what they did was amazing. And to me, it was far better than Beijing 2008, because sometimes less is better. Hopefully the closing ceremony will be a marked improvement, and as for the rest of the games, well, I can't wait to see them. From what I've seen so far, it's pretty good. Curling's been great. I just saw some snowboarding and I loved it. And as for ice hockey, we'll have to wait and see. The 2022 Beijing Winter Games are taking place at this very moment. In the United States, you can watch coverage of the games on NBC and Peacock. Recently, I finished watching every single Studio Ghibli film ever made. I'm aware there's at least one more coming out next year, but for the moment, I finally just went through the rest of them. Now, the one thing I've realized while watching these films is that I really love the fantasy-based films Ghibli produce. And there were several of them, such as Kiki's Delivery Service, The Cat Returns, and surprisingly, Pompoko. Something I noticed while watching these films is that I really levitated towards those films, yet at the same time I really hated the realistic ones. By that I mean films that essentially didn't take place in a magical or fantasy world, but were instead grounded, such as say, The Wind Rises. While I am aware that The Wind Rises was based on an actual person, the premise really doesn't lend itself to animation. It felt like something that probably would have worked best as a live-action film, like 4B Ferrari. Now I could go on and on talking about bad Ghibli films, and there are a few, trust me. But I want to get to a good Ghibli film. One of my favorite Ghibli films is The Cat Returns. Which is a semi-spin-off of another Ghibli film, Whisper from the Heart. Having seen Whisper from the Heart, well, I didn't like it. The only thing the two films have in common are just a single main character of a cat, who barely plays a role in Whisper, but is one of the main characters in The Cat Returns. Now with that film, it's immediately enjoyable primarily due to Anne Hathaway, in a film in which she plays a teenage girl who saves the cat. Only to then find out, that cat is royalty, and they invite her to their world of cats to be with them. Only to then find out, nope, she's turning into a cat, and the king wants to marry her. It makes more sense in context, but honestly, it's one of those wacky Ghibli stories, and to me, the best representation of Studio Ghibli. Now, if you want a really good representation of what Studio Ghibli is about, then I would probably recommend the film My Neighbor Totoro as well. In fact, that's where the character from the Studio Ghibli logo originated from. 
Another film I can also recommend to people who want to check out Studio Ghibli is Spirited Away. That film won the studio its first Academy Award for Best Animated Feature. While the premise might seem a little out there, it does have a great story with likable characters, although I will be the first to admit that when it comes to the visual imagery, you might be turned off by it. Especially since one of the major things about these films is how, yeah, they may look great, but at the same time, Ghibli can also go for ugly. And not in a bad way ugly, but as in, they will go show you the most grotesque visual imagery, while at the same time, having the most clean and slick animation possible. Now another film I can also recommend is Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, a film based on Hayao Miyazaki's own manga that manages to tell a great story about war and nature. By contrast, there are a lot of bad Studio Ghibli films. One good example is a film that tries to tell a narrative through two different timelines, someone's childhood and their adult life. That film, of course, being Only Yesterday. And it just comes off as really boring and, frankly, after seeing the pineapple scene, you'll wish to turn this film off. Another film that I can also recommend avoiding is Ghibli's latest film, as of this recording, Earwig and the Witch. Now, their latest film does have CG animation, and it's relatively decent CG, yet at the same time, you also have to ask the question, why couldn't it have been done with 2D animation? Because there's literally no reason for this film to be in CG. There is no trippy imagery, there is nothing that says this had to be done in CG, but then again, why waste the animation on what is frankly a really bad film? It just felt like a prolonged first act to a second act that will never get made. Because the film spent so much time trying to establish something, only to then go nowhere. It's one of those films you would frankly be asking for a refund, even if you saw it on HBO Max or Netflix. Now again, I could go on and on talking about Studio Ghibli, and I would love to talk with someone about these films. I'm just frankly glad I finally got through all of these films. Some of which were great, but I have to admit a lot of them were just frankly awful. Like I can safely say I never want to see the Tale of the Princess Kaguya ever again, yet I would love to see the Castle of Caligastro again. Some of these films were enjoyable, I will admit. Like the one I didn't expect to like was Pompoko, since I have to admit the idea of a film which focused a lot on the characters sounded really bad. Yet it was surprisingly very good, and has what could be Studio Ghibli's most blunt message about saving the environment. To wrap up this segment, the Studio Ghibli films are a mixed bag. Some are good, some are bad, but they're all worth checking out. Well, at least the good ones. The Studio Ghibli catalog of films are able to own on Blu-ray and DVD. When it comes to streaming, these films are able to stream on HBO Max in the United States and internationally on Netflix. Finally, let's talk about football. Now, of course, last weekend was the conference championship games, and let's start off with the shocker of the two, the AFC championship game. I honestly did not expect the Bengals to win at all. 
If anything, I was thinking from the start of the game, oh, the Chiefs are going to win this and just ignored it for the most part. I can recall just changing the channel and at one point playing Mario Party Superstars. That's how little I cared about this game, with the assumption that, oh, who cares, the Chiefs are going to win. And then they fucking didn't! Am I happy about it? Sure. But at the same time, like... You couldn't beat the Bengals? Really? But all in all, congratulations to the city of Cincinnati. Your team is now going to the Super Bowl in Los Angeles. Speaking of... The NFC Championship game featured the San Francisco 49ers taking on the LA Rams. Now this to me was a far more interesting game because of course it was a fight between two rivals and the last time they met the 49ers barely sneaked into the playoffs because they beat the Rams at home. It was an awesome game going back and forth between the two teams and there were several moments where they could have easily ended the game with an interception yet both sides couldn't get the interceptions at the right times. And you saw the looks on these players faces where they had a chance to end the game by just catching the ball at a perfect moment and they didn't. It was a great game of football and honestly, it was worth the wait to see this game. That and next level chef, but I'm a fan of Gordon Ramsay. So now we have our Super Bowl decided. It's going to be between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams. It'll be an interesting game and we'll talk about it next week because this weekend it's the Pro Bowl. Here's the big difference between the All-Star games in baseball, basketball, hockey, and even NASCAR. They all take place smack dab in the middle of their respective seasons. The NFL on the other hand takes place the week before the Super Bowl and because of that the teams that make it to the Super Bowl can't compete in the Pro Bowl making it somewhat of, say, the loser ball. And for some, it's also really dull because these players are clearly trying to not injure themselves, so for some, they're not going to give it their all. And even then, the best players to go to the Pro Bowl don't play. Like I saw that Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady went to the Pro Bowl, but Rodgers is injured and Brady retired. So you're not going to get the best players, you're going to get the best players who aren't injured, retired, or in the Super Bowl. And even then, are the players who really want to be there. To me, it's just frankly one of the duller events, and when COVID cancelled it last year, it was frankly fine. It's not even the biggest thing happening this weekend, since you have the aforementioned Winter Games in Beijing, and at the same time, you have a NASCAR race taking place at the Los Angeles Coliseum. Given the choice between watching the NFL Pro Bowl and NASCAR racing at the Coliseum, I'm taking the Coliseum, it's far more entertaining. It may be an exhibition race, but when else are we going to see NASCAR race at a football stadium? If you're interested in watching the game, the NFL Pro Bowl will take place this Sunday afternoon on ESPN, ABC, and Disney XD. That is all the time we have for today's show. If you would like to know when the next episode comes out, remember to follow or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite stream provider. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at MrJoelGarcia9. Until next time... Thank you for listening.